All right, it's time for this Sports on Point special edition. We're here with hosts Bob Williams and Matthew Smith giving the NBA preview for the 2010-2011 season. We're going to talk about your teams of interest. We're going to talk about playoff picture this year. And we may even talk a little bit about who might win that coveted MVP award or rookie of the year. So without any further ado, let's get started, gentlemen. What an offseason we had this year, fellas. Uh, Big-name players switching teams. So granted, they all switched to the same team. Uh, we will certainly talk a little bit about the Miami Heat. But for now, let's uh, let's get started with some of the teams that really kind of lost out on the offseason spectacular. Uh, let's talk about the New York Knicks. Um, they, they made some moves this offseason. They, they added Amari Stoudemire, um, got uh, Anthony Randolph, Ronnie Turrioff, uh, Kalena Azambuki. Uh, I don't really know that they got anywhere close to what they were expecting to get. But uh, for the most part, do you think that they've made moves for the better or for the worse, Bob? Well, it sounds like uh, with all the talk of both CP3 and Mello wanting to drop in the Bronx, that, yeah, right now it, it seems like it's going to be in the right direction. For this year, maybe not. They're, they're at best going to be probably a fringe team just because they don't have a traditional center. Torias, a good guy, more of a role player, almost like a Vergeau, which is it, going to be tough. And then if, if anything happens with Raymond Felton, they're left with Tony Douglas as their point guard of interest. So it, it's... Not where they wanted to be, but they definitely could be be worse off. I wouldn't be surprised if sometime this season you either see uh, Gallinari or Wilson Chandler moved in a uh, separate deal to get them some more star power. Yeah, I think one of the important things that we see with the moves that they have made is while they didn't get the big-name stars they wanted, they did get players who fit into D'Antoni's system a little bit. I think that uh, I think that running the point, Raymond Felton, much better in that pick-and-roll, high-tempo offense that uh, D'Antoni likes to run than Chris Duhon was a year ago. So it'll work out better for him, but at the same time, at this point in time, all we're really doing is shining the turd. This is still not a good basketball team. No, n- not at all. Uh, pretty much they swapped out David Lee for Amari Stoudemire. Okay, you have a bigger name production-wise. We'll see how he goes. But with, with the fact that they missed out on both Bosch, Boozer, LBJ, that, it, that it's definitely a, a tough offseason for them. So Vegas puts the line on these guys at 35 and a half wins this season. You think they get that? No, I'm going to go under, especially with uh, Amari Stoudemire. Still, you know, he he doesn't have the greatest knees. So they're one injury away from their season being completely shot. Yeah, I think 35 uh, 35 wins would be a would be a good successful season for him. I don't see it happening personally. But uh, you know it'll be it'll be an interesting team to watch, especially with the threat of Isaiah Thomas returning to their front office looming in the distance. Uh, it'll be kind of interesting to see whether the team implodes or uh, uh, prospers. And I'm kind of more for the imploding aspect of it. Just on the other side of the uh, Lincoln Tunnel, we've got the New Jersey Nets again, another team that struck out in the free agent market. Really didn't end up doing much at all. They drafted Derek Favors, uh, picked up some minor role players. Uh, maybe Jordan Farmar will work out for him. But uh, their line's at uh, 24 and a half games. Do you think they're a 25 win team? 
Yeah, easily. You know, this is the same team that last year was really, really young in experience. They upgraded Yi Jiling to a Troy Murphy, you know, a veteran's veteran, a solid guy. If he can stay healthy, we'll definitely get them some wins. Uh, Travis Outlaw is going to be a small forward there. They might have overpaid for him, but he's, he definitely has potential there. Their two-guard spot with uh, both young Terrence Williams, if he can actually get out of his shell that he was in last year, and if Anthony Morrow continues to do what he did last year with Golden State, I, I, I think 25s, they can easily get over it. But again, health. I think one thing that they kind of whiffed on, in my personal opinion, is the Derek Favors pick in the draft. I know a lot of guys had him that high up on the board, but with the number two overall pick, uh, I'm sorry, number three overall pick, I really felt like they would have been better suited to pick up a guy like DeMarcus Cousins, uh, who's got some immediate uh, immediate potential to contribute now. What they've got with the Derek Favors is they've got a guy who may may be a good player for them a couple years down the road. But what they need more is they need a guy that they can dangle and trade bait, and I don't know that he's going to perform off the bat enough to be that guy they can move out and bring another big-name player in his place. No, I... I don't actually agree with that at all. I think Favors is actually going to be a better pick over DeMarcus Cousins, especially since you have Brooke Lopez manning the center. He's their guy. So having Cousins would kind of be redundant in that aspect. You don't want your two best players on the on the court playing the same exact position. Will he go through the growing pains? Yes. Have I seen some uh, off-chance uh, rookie of the year things thrown, in, thrown his way? Yeah, based on his preseason. So... It, I, I'm intrigued to see how he actually fits in there, but that's one of the reasons why they got Troy Murphy. You know, they're definitely going to be a young team. They're another fringe team at at best, getting that possibly that eighth spot. But it, it's going to be how the how well Derek Favors does, how well um, Terrence Williams grows in his second year, and then how uh, Troy Murphy gels with the Harrison Lopez duo. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think twenty four and a half is the line. I think they'll be close to it, but I'm going to go under. Of course, another big loser in the off season was the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, dropping. Of course, LeBron James heading south, taking his talents to South Beach. Um, I, I I think that there's been a severe underestimate of the supporting cast that he had uh, that combined with a couple of additional moves they made after he left. I don't think this team is as bad as everybody thinks the lines at 30 and a half. What do you think? I'm going to, I, you know, just the fact that they hired Byron Scott, which was a huge get for the organization. They have Mo Williams, Anthony Parker, Antoine Jameson, who are veterans, veterans. They're going to be sitting there. They're going to have a chip on their shoulder, you know, wanting to prove that, we aren't the LeBronettes, you know, it's not just the, actually Marvel just put out a comic series called the Unamazing Cavaliers, so I I want to see them over 30, and I, and I think they could do it, especially with the young guys, with the sessions, pickup is going to be huge, Gibson getting in, in back into the rotation, and then uh, J.J. Hickson being actually starred there in this high-tempo offense. It, it's looking good so far in the preseason. I know it's just preseason, but I'm optimistic. I think we've really migrated with the Cleveland Cavaliers from being a team that relied on star players last season to a team that's going to rely on a system this season. Normally, I'm not a big fan of relying on a system, but when you've got a guy like 
Byron Scott, who's taken uh, who's, who's taken two different teams to the playoffs, one of which he took to the NBA Finals. He's got a system that works, and he's done he's won games, and he's done things with sub subpar talent on his roster. I think it's a huge acquisition that he's their coach this year. I believe that they are well above the thirty and a half wins this season. No, no, I, I I'm definitely going to keep going with that. Byron Scott is probably the biggest thing to happen to the Cavaliers. Probably since LeBron James got drafted, uh, you know, it, it's it's a game changer in the fact that he's already come out and said that this team that he has here is better off than probably both the New Jersey Nets that he took to the finals and the New Orleans Hornets that he completely resurrected. Team everybody wants to talk about this year. The number one checklist on every team, their 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 number one target, the Miami Heat, of course, pulling off the huge free agent coup, tampering aside, uh, landing Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosch, and LeBron James. A lot of talk about this team setting an all-time win record. I think it's a little premature. The line on Miami is 64 and a half. For all the more hype that's been around this team, I still think 64.5 might be low. Might be low, and I'd say it might be high. You know, all it takes is one injury, which we've already seen Wade hurt. We've already seen LeBron. Sure, there are only nicks and scratches and bumps and bruises, but it's kind of tough because they don't have the depth that some of the other teams might have. But... Again, I said it two weeks ago that if they don't win every single game, completely sweep every series, it, it might be a disappointment, you know, as, especially from their fan base, from everything that they've had talked about this entire offseason. If they don't win at all, it's going to be a disappointment, no matter what their uh, actual season record is. I think that's a high number of wins. I think the first 20 games are still going to gel as a unit, as a team. I just look at it as a, as uh, you know, sixty five wins is what LeBron had in Cleveland, and I think no matter what you want to say about maybe his supporting cast was underrated, which I believe it was, they're still not Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. I think the early part of the season there's going to be some gelling that's going to be required, but I think you're going to have enough individual performance from these guys that they're going to be able to pull out a lot of games that maybe they shouldn't just on the backs and shoulders of Dwayne Wade and LeBron James. I think 64 and a half, absolutely it's a huge number. I don't think this is a 70 plus win team, but I think they'll fall in there somewhere between the 65 to 70 range. But that's against regular teams though, right? Aren't, Aren't you thinking about that? Because if you think every team is going to bring their A game against the Heat this year, sure, because they're they're the benchmark. So I think they're just. But they're don't you get, think? But don't you think the Miami Heat have that same chip on their shoulder? No, I don't, I think I don't they see why they should. I, I think that they feel entitled because they've shown themselves, but I don't think that they have a chip on their shoulder. I think if you look at any professional team that has had the significant amount of backlash that this team has had, you have to assume they're coming in that they're coming in that next year with a chip on their shoulder. I, I, I think that if they don't have a chip on their shoulder, then these are not the competitive athletes that we thought they were. I think if they were the competitive athletes, they wouldn't try to create a super team, but that's just me. No, I, I, I t- no, I totally agree with you there. You know, they're all buddy buddy. You know, all it takes is a few nights out in South Beach having fun and they don't show up, you know, top physical condition 
and there goes a few wins. I, I'm just waiting for this bubble to burst because there's so many eagle, egos thrown in there because you know LeBron James is not going to want to play second fiddle. You know Dwayne Wade, it's his team. And where, where does Chris Bosh fit in there? It's such an intriguing thing that all of this did happen and then fell into place perfect for the Miami Heat, but we don't know how it's going to play out. Sure. And all we can do is speculate, and that's what we're here to do. That's our show tonight, baby. <laughs> Speculation City. So uh, uh, Miami will be a hotly debated topic all season, I'm sure. So let's not uh, waste any more time there. Uh, the Los Angeles Clippers this year getting their rookie sensation from last year finally out on the court, Blake Griffin. What do you think? Uh, what do you think about this Clippers team? Well, the fact that they were clamoring in the offseason about how they were one player away from possibly being you know, a phenomenal team and that one person was supposedly LeBron James, I, I think it's just as big to get back a healthy Blake Griffin. He fits in there with a Chris Kamen, with a Baron Davis, and you can't forget about Eric Gordon there in their two spot. It's an explosive team if they can stay healthy, uh, a legitimate playoff contender. So... I know it's a little premature, but I'm throwing him out there already as my rookie of the year. I uh, I I wonder with the I wonder with this team who who could possibly have a better front court than the combo of Blake Griffin and Chris Kamen. I know that Chris Kamen isn't a dominant center, but I would say in from the best that I can tell, he's the top five guy in the league at the moment. You've got Blake Griffin, who has this tremendous, tremendous potential. I look at their line at 36.5, and and I see that as being way beyond achievable. I take the the over with the clips. Oh, I'm I'm going to agree with that. But with them, especially with Chris Kamen, and Baron Davis, these are older guys who have come off injuries. You know, it's it's kind of, I won't say second nature, but it's in their DNA. They have fought through a bunch of stuff throughout their careers. So hopefully you get some production in the small forward spot, whether it be Ryan Gomes or Al-Farika Minu. Hopefully it's the rookie. You know, he's definitely more of a defensive impact uh, that might, might actually gel. And we'll see how uh, DeAndre Jordan does in his, uh, I think, third year. Yeah, I think if there's one position in that lineup that is a question mark, it's got to be the small forward position. Um, I think uh, I, I think they've got a chance at a rookie guy who could come in and help out if uh, Baron Davis does have the injury problem that's plagued him in years past. I think that uh, I, I think that Eric Bledsoe is going to be able to come in and fill in suitably. I don't think he's a superstar or or a uh, even an all-star in the making, but I think he's got the makings of a solid NBA point guard um, coming off the bench. So I think that helps him out a lot. Uh, obviously relying a lot in that scenario on a guy like Blake Griffin, who is a first-year guy. we got a couple teams in the Washington Wizards and the Sacramento Kings who I think their entire season this year is going to rely on the play of a couple of rookies coming out of the University of Kentucky. Uh, Sacramento, to me, is an interesting team because they've got a they've got a very very highly uh, uh, touted rookie coming in. They've got the rookie of the year from last year. This is a team that uh, appears to be stocked to the gills in young talent. Do they have enough to win this year, though? 
I don't know. I think this might be comparable to the old uh, Clippers teams when they had Elton Brand and, and before that. Um, all those young guys who just, where is your veteran impact guy? They don't have, you know, really anyone on the team that stands out as that, that one guy that you can go to. Because even if you go through there, it looks like their oldest player might be Binu Udru. Bino Udra, sorry. Uh, and and is, is he really going to be that that gel that holds them together? Probably not. Um, other than that, you have, you know, young Luther Head's still young. You have Omri Caspi, young guy. Jason Thompson, Darnell Jackson, Hassan, Wansi, Hassan Whiteside. These are all young guys. So it it's going to be interesting to see how they all put it together. But I... I I don't think this year is probably going to be their year. I, I think possibly next year if they can get a, a solid point guard there. But but definitely this offseason was a step in the right direction for them. I actually think the Sacramento Kings would be better off in the long run if they are not good this year because I do agree they're missing a they're missing a key ingredient. Uh, point guard uh, Bino Udri I don't think is your future at the point guard position. I think uh, if they can if they can stay high in the draft and and uh, you know get a good solid prospect coming back next year, I think that'll serve them well. Uh, also agree with you on the lack of veteran leadership. I think when you're looking at the veterans on this team, you've got uh, Francisco Garcia, who spent a few years in Sacramento. Uh, but other than that, you've got uh, who Samuel Delambert, who he hasn't even been a king before this year, so you can't really l- rely on him to lead a locker room that he's never spent any time in before. Yeah, totally, totally. You know, uh, the, the, the trade to actually bring him in there uh, – probably took off their their glue guy which is uh, Nocioni as much as I, I'm not his biggest fan but he he's a you know a scrappy guy who's going to be the in there night in night out knows his role can could actually be beneficial for this team but they needed some more height sure I think that I think a lot of that was just a move to get rid of Spencer Hawes as much as it was anything else. I think that uh, with bringing Cousins in and Spencer Hawes being a really duplicate of what uh, what Cousins is going to do in the paint, they wanted to get him out of there and get some return on investment. And I think Sam Dellenbear is a good move in that regard because he's a solid guy, plays real good defense in the post. Not a guy you want to come to the lane with anything weak against. Uh, and and you've got uh, you've got a guy Demarcus Cousins who could really stand to learn a thing or two from a guy like Dellenbear. Over unders at twenty seven and a half. Over under. What do you think? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go under again. It's beneficial for them to be under. Agreed completely. I think they have the potential to win more than twenty seven and a half games. I think the long run, the team's better served if they don't. And uh, not saying that they will go for that, but I personally am going to hope for that on their sake, and I'm going to take the under as well. Washington Wizards going to be relying pretty heavily on John Wall. He's looked absolutely spectacular in the preseason and the summer league. Is this a guy who can lead them to a fair amount of wins this year? Or more specifically, thirty-two and a half wins this year. Thirty. Wow, that's. I'm. I'm probably going to go under on on thirty-two and a half wins, uh, just because of the fact that you still have Gilbert Arena still on that team, and you, preseason, and you're already hearing so much stuff coming just specifically from him. So they they definitely have a good group of guys. Not only those two, but you do have an expiring Josh Howard, who is going to be 
looking for his last paycheck before he goes out. Uh, they do have a young Andre Blosh, who's a, a phenomenal power forward, you know, a young guy who can definitely get you double-double. The progression of McGee and then with Hilton Armstrong as their backup, I, I think that might be the, their weak spot. Oh, for sure. That that might actually hinder them from going to the 32-and-a-half. For sure, that that uh, center position is going to be a uh, is definitely going to be a weak spot for him. Um, I, I I think when you look at a roster like the Washington Wizards and you look at their three best players on their team and you see that all three of them, arguably their three best guys, all three of them play the exact same position, that's a problem. You can't have your best three players all point guards on your team. You got to do clever things with lineups to get all of them into the game and get them all with a ball in their hand. And uh, ultimately, you end up playing gimmick basketball, not solid basketball. You've got guys in the post who are not going to carry that uh, carry that load that they need from an offensive post player when they've got such good perimeter players who are so capable of distributing and making plays happen. This is not a team that's going to win more than 30 games. This is not a team that's definitely going to hit that 32 and a half win mark. Um, I'm looking, uh, I'm looking into mid to high twenties for these guys. Yeah, definitely. Uh, their, their second unit doesn't look too bad on paper. Kurt Heinrich, Nick Young, Al Thornton, Yi Ling and Hilton Armstrong. But if you actually get down to the nuts and bolts of it, Young's, Young is still a young guy who hasn't proven much. Solid guy. Thornton's been a bust. Yi Ling has been a bust, and so is Armstrong. So on paper, it looks you know there's names there, but we'll we'll see how it actually all put is put together. The Houston Rockets hopefully going to have Yao Ming for the season this year. At least uh, suit up a game or two, if nothing else. Uh, how does this change their outlook for the season? Well, their season will be defined by. Yao Ming. Uh, definitely they're, they're a top contender in the West if he comes back healthy and can be the top three center that he is, uh, as, especially with them having Kevin Martin, uh, you know, Aaron Brooks there, even Luis Scola. They definitely have a solid team, but getting him back is definitely in, in their best interest. Agreed. I, I don't necessarily think that these guys are completely out of the out of the run if Yao Ming does go down with an injury. They have Brad Miller, who I know Brad Miller's getting old. He did not look good last season in Chicago. However, this is a guy who has played for Rick Adelman. He has excelled under Rick Adelman's system. He's a very good ball-moving big guy in the post, and I think he can work out if Yao Ming does end up being an injury risk. The The... Development of Aaron Brooks over the last two seasons, combined with the addition of the sharp shooting capabilities of Kevin Martin, uh, Courtney Lee even coming off the bench. They're really, really solid there. And uh, Shane Battier and Luis Scola, they're going to hold their own at the forward positions. I think that this is a team that not only uh, not only makes the playoffs, I actually think they might even be able to swerve some home field advantage for a round or two. You know, I, I definitely won't go there, but or go against you on that. I, I, th- I think they're definitely a truly elite team out in the West if Yao Ming is healthy. If not, they're going to do what they did last year, and, you know, a, a scrappy uh, mid to, to eighth seed who can possibly upset someone the first round and then probably be a quick exit. So that, that that's what I, when, when I say that everything rests on Yao Ming, it, it's going to be their co- competitive level. You know, it, it's from a, a top four team or a bottom, not a bottom four team, but 
the next tier of teams if he doesn't stay healthy. Okay, the Phoenix Suns had a wholesale change in their lineup this year. Um, of course, losing Amari Stoudemire made a lot of moves to bring in some players. Uh, Leandro Barbosa and Dwayne Jones headed off to Toronto. Hito Turkoglu is now their new guy. Uh, brought in Josh Childress. Uh, a, a whole different look, I think, uh, for this roster. The starting lineup, lineup pretty similar to last year, but beyond that, it's a different squad altogether. Do you think that this is a team that has any shot of making a run for a Western Conference championship anymore? You know, if D'Antoni was still there, I would say yes, because they got more athletic even without, you know, having Amare there because you bring in Turkoglu, who is definitely a mismatch guy. You, you know, re-sign or bring in a Hakeem Warwick. You re-sign the Channing Fry. They're definitely guys who, who can play the, the power forward position, small forward, even center with Channing Fry. That gives you a lot of different looks. But with... Uh, with with the, the the personnel and the, the coaching philosophy that they've had recently, with is a little bit more slow it down offense. Uh, I, I think it might be a little bit tougher for them to do that. I think they're still a playoff team, yes, just because of Steve Nash, but he's getting up there. Jason Richardson's getting up there. Grant Hill's getting up there. So I I don't think they're they're championship material out out of the West, but they're definitely going to be a, a playoff c- contender. I think in order for this team to have a solid run at anything, they have to have another year like they had last year from Channing Fry. And I really think last year was a fluke year for Channing Fry. Hakeem Moore comes in off the bench, solid player. He'll work well in the pick-and-roll offense, but on the defensive side, he's not going to contribute much. This is a team that I think over the last couple of years has made a significant uh, dedication to the defensive end and have have improved in several ways. I don't think uh, I don't think they improve much more this year with the additions they've made. You said Turkoglu is a good mismatch guy that helps them out on the defensive side of things, and and he's able to to run with some smaller guys and and get some length on the. Uh, length on the perimeter that's uh, hard to rise up over and fast enough that it's hard to get around. But aside from that, I think they've stayed pretty stagnant defensively. And uh, while they were a better defensive team last year, I still don't see this team being a solid defensive team that's going to be able to shut another team down for four quarters. Essentially, Turkoglu, I think, comes in as much as anything as a, you know, his roster position is going to say backup small forward, but as much as anything, I don't think they trust Goran Dragic to run the point when they bring Steve Nash out of the game. I think that Hito Turkoglu is really there to more serve as a point forward when Steve Nash is out of the lineup. I can see that, but definitely uh, from what I get from the the fans of the, of the Suns on different uh, forums and everything, that they they did like uh, Goran in, in the season last year. But I think I think his playoff production definitely was something uh, less than desired. So so maybe you know I can't go wrong with Turk Glue in there handling the ball. Now the line there is forty one point five. Do you think they uh, top over the forty two uh, better than five hundred team? In the ultra-competitive West, I, I, I think it's going to be right around there. I could see them at 39 or 40 wins. I don't know if they reach over the 41 wins, though. Yeah, I think this is a 500 team. I think uh, 41 wins sounds about right. Hard to really call an over-under when you think they're going to be a half-game under, but uh, that's where I'm sticking it. Under, they're a 500 team. 
So we kind of talked about some of the moving teams that are uh, moving up and down on the board, big uh, big names in the offseason. Playoff time comes. In the Western Conference, who do you still see playing basketball? All right. My final eight are probably going to be – you have to put the Lakers there. They're the defending champions. Uh, you got the young group out in uh, Oklahoma with uh, Durant, Westbrook, and Green. Hopefully they can pull off another uh, trade midseason, possibly get them some more uh, veteran leadership there. Uh, as long as Melo stays in Denver, I still see them as, as a uh, playoff team. You, you can't ever discount the Greg Popovich run San Antonio Spurs uh, especially when they brought Spittler over this year. You have Portland, uh, as, as long as uh, Brandon Roy stays healthy, as, if they can possibly keep Odin healthy. He, they're, they're definitely in there no matter what, but they're definitely become a, a better team with him in there. Uh, you have Dallas. Uh, they definitely shored up their, their um, front court. Uh, and then rounding it out, we definitely have uh, Houston. And then I'm, I'm throwing the suppli- surprise out there as the Clippers. I, I think... Griffin, like I said earlier, he's going to be the rookie of the year uh, in my eyes. But I, I think that they, they, they will get the uh, last spot out there in the West. How about yourself? Well, I, I have a lot of the same teams, just in a little different order. Uh, I have to say I was really, really, really struggling with the Clippers because I, I wanted to put them in. Ultimately, I just look at the way, 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 way too competitive Western Conference, and I just don't know that they have quite enough firepower they have a they have a coach who has been uh, who has shown the ability to underachieve in the regular season, um, to, to to put it bluntly, and uh, I just I just don't know that uh, I don't know that they quite make it in. So I ended up omitting them, but it was close. It was close. The Western Conference is always a tight race between the six through ten spots or so. So I think they're going to be one of those teams that's going to be right there in the mix. But uh, you know the name same, the names stay the same, the positions change. I got Lakers, Oklahoma. Uh, I I actually have Houston very high on my board. I think if they play the, up to their capabilities, I think they could be a number three or number four seed in the West. Um, San Antonio is always going to be there. Um, Dallas is the same team they've always been, so you can't count them out. Uh, Denver, I'm a little. I think I'm a little lower than you are on the Nuggets. I feel like this is a team that's just in turmoil, and uh, I, I, I've seen it in years before. And I could. I, I think I'll continue to see when a, a team feels like it's being shaken at its very core. A lot of times, some true colors come through, and I think that this team is a playoff team. But I don't think they're the top four team that they've been uh, last year and the year before. Uh, I got Portland and Utah barely squeaking in at the seven and eight spots. Um, Utah for no other reason than the fact that uh, Jerry Sloan is just an amazing basketball coach. Yeah, my biggest thing with them was how, how the offsetting of uh, losing Boozer, who when he, when he was healthy is definitely a 2010 guy. Paul Millsap right there, you know, right along with that. I don't know. Maybe it's the year that falls apart just because I know there's there's a lot of issues with possibly even uh, Duran maybe even leaving in the offseason or, or the, the next one. So, uh, again, for me, maybe it's just I want to see the Clippers actually do well this year. Maybe that's why I, I threw them in there. But I, I, it's the West. You know, 
like you said, the six through ten could change. So I, I would say probably the three through ten, anything could happen. Sure, and that's uh, that's evidenced, I think, by the fact that uh, you might have had Denver at three, and I have Houston at three, and Denver at six. So obviously, uh, we both kind of agree. There's a little bit of uh, it, it. It's really hard to pinpoint the accuracy on the picks in the West because it's always such a tight race uh, from the from the top down. The uh, Eastern Conference, I've got uh, Miami as the one seed, Orlando at the number two seed. I think that uh, I, I think that Orlando has done little to nothing in the off season, but they're not changing a they're not changing a system that worked in the years past. All the players are still young, they're still in their prime, and they're still doing things that are very effective. I think for a regular season team, they're going to be the second best, possibly second best record in the NBA, uh, but I would say at least second best in the East. The Celtics, of course, gritty veteran leadership on that squad. You can never count them out. Um, Chicago, I think, has moved up enough to be the four seed in the East. I think that their moves have made them a better team than Atlanta, who I've got rounding out as number five. Atlanta had a change in head coach this year, but their philosophy in the past years has been a whole heck of a lot of one-on-one basketball. And I think you can only survive on that for so long. This is a team that I think has really crippled their ability to add pieces to make themselves better by signing Joe Johnson to a ridiculously overpaid contract. And I think that they will continue to wallow in mediocrity from, from here on forth. Um, I think Milwaukee has done some interesting things. They've got a system that seemed to work the past couple of years. I think they uh, they can sneak into a possibly as high as a sixth spot in the Eastern Conference. And uh, uh, the the seventh and eighth, God, the seventh and the eighth in the East are so hard to call because really once you get outside of those top five teams, there's not really a whole lot left that you look at with any promise. But uh, I've got Philly in his number seven. I think that's going to really depend on how well Igudala and Drew Holiday and Evan Turner coexist in the backcourt there. But uh, I, I think they can. I think they can get it together and, and put together a run good enough to put them at the seven spot. Which, let's be fair, the seven spot in the Eastern Conference doesn't necessarily mean you're a 500 team. And uh, the eighth seed. I'm going a little sentimental here. I think that the Byron Scott Cleveland Cavaliers are a good enough team to make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Well, guess what? All eight of our teams are the same exact teams. We'll wow. see if that actually plays out the, the way the way that is. Um, I have Boston there at number one. It, it might not happen in, in the uh, actual regular season. But I, I definitely see them being the top team in the East come come playoff time at least, uh, especially with the past few years. No matter what they've gone through, they've been able to do that. They switched out a more productive offensive threat in Delonte West for Tony Allen, or yeah, from Delonte from Tony Allen to Delonte West, and then they added more size in the interior with both Jermaine O'Neal and Shaquille O'Neal. So I, I think that's kind of huge. You have to put the Heat at number two for since I didn't put them at number one. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. We know what they got. We'll, we'll see it actually how adhesive or, or cohesive it, it does in, in this season. Three spot is, is the magic. 
hopefully this is the year that Dwight Howard realizes that he's the dominant big man in the NBA, but he still has to develop an offensive game. Hopefully that's what he was working off in the offseason. Uh, four spot, I definitely have the Hawks. Yeah, they changed their coach, but it's pretty much the same exact team coming back. You have uh, Jamal Crawford, who's in the final season of his contract, who will be playing for a contract. You have Joe Johnson, who definitely has a lot of expectations to live up to now, and, and I can see him doing that. I think that he was trying to push a little bit too much last year for said contract. Uh, I have the Bulls in the five spot. Hopefully they can stay healthy because last year I know they ran into that problem. But with the acquisition of Boozer to that to that group, definitely, definitely a solid team. We'll, do, we'll just see if they can stay healthy. My seven pick or my sixth pick is actually the Milwaukee Bucks. I agree. You know, they, they were a solid team last year. They added Corey Maggette this year, who will be interesting to see how he fits into their defensive mentality, especially since he is a more offensive minded guy. Um, seventh spot, I have the Cavs. You know, as much as this offseason hurt, I'm optimistic. I love the system they brought in. I love the coach they brought in. I love the guys that they have sitting in this system. You have Jameson, who's been a part of the Princeton. You have Ramon Sessions, who's a guy they brought in who can move up-tempo guy. Uh, you do have still Mo Williams. You have Verigel. These are quality guys in there, and, and especially if they, if, they, if they fight off the injury bug, they do have their uh, huge trade player to ex, 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 yeah, their TPE. Hopefully they can move someone else in there with that, and who knows? They might be higher. They might be lower. Who knows? Uh, and then I have the 76ers in the eighth spot. I think their big thing is uh, they got rid of Eddie Jordan, who sort of mismanaged everything there. Uh, you have a guy down in Elton Brand who, if he can stay healthy, might not be the 2010 guy that he used to be, but he can definitely get you a 15 and 8 night in and night out. And I agree there's going to be some friction between J. Rue, Evan Turner, and uh, Iguodala, but that also gives you the the possibility of a trade. You know, we've we've heard it all offseason that, you know, Iguodala might be thrown out there as trade bait, so they might go higher or they might go lower, but that that's my top eight. I think the Eastern Conference playoffs are going to be absolutely brutal. I think you've got two you've got three teams in uh Miami, Orlando and Boston that I think are going to have an easy walk through the first round. But once you get past that, then you start dealing with heavyweights. You've got the winner of a Chicago-Atlanta series, which either one of those guys are going to be potent. Uh, I personally think Chicago is a team because I think Atlanta's offensive system is too stagnant. I think you're looking at a, a, a four-team playoff, essentially, starting in the second round between Miami, Chicago, Orlando, and Boston. And that's when the heavy hits start blown, uh, start getting thrown. I think that even for a team with the superior talent that the Miami Heat have, it's going to be really hard for them to come in and knock off a Chicago team and then play either the winner of Boston or, I'm sorry, the winner of Boston or Orlando. And I think it's going to be really, really tough for a team that essentially is a first-year team playing together. 
granted, you know, these guys have played together on Olympic teams, but it's it's a completely different environment because in Olympic teams, you're all superstars and, and everyone has to kind of take their place on the squad. But I think that when it comes down to it, teams like Orlando and Boston are going to have what it takes to knock Miami out of the playoffs. And I think that it's going to be their superior play at the five position that's going to do it. I actually have Orlando winning the East and uh, I, 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 th- I think the West, geez, I want to say it's not going to be the Lakers coming out of the West, but let's face it, it's going to be the Lakers coming out of the West. Oh, I definitely don't doubt you there. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, you know, an, an Oklahoma City team can catch fire. Uh, again, I mentioned earlier, maybe they trade for some uh, actual veterans that that can plug in and, and help out the young guys that might be able to push them over the top. Or who knows, maybe it's the last year for the Spurs that have that magical miracle run. But I definitely agree with you in the Lakers. Uh, the East definitely, you know, the top, it's top heavy. It's always been top heavy for the, the longest time. If, you know, one of those teams definitely makes it to the, whoever does make it to the, uh, finals will definitely be battle tested this year again i'm i'm gonna go back to boston you know yeah you have to go through the team that won it last year and as much as this is nowhere near the the 80s rivalry there's there's something there there's something magic about the lakers boston series so that those would be my my two picks i think the nba would be certainly well suited by a boston versus lakers nba final um, I, 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 like I said, I think, I think Orlando's the team that's going to roll past the heat and get into the finals, but, uh, uh, Lakers versus Orlando is a, is a rematch of, of two seasons ago too. So there's a, a little fun to be had there. Although Orlando was not overly competitive two years ago. I think this year they are more than competitive. I think this is the year that Orlando finally gets their championship. I don't know. You know, that, that team two years ago had a uh, Hito Turkoglu who definitely took off some of the pressure of a, a Jameer Nelson. He didn't have to be the go-to guy. He didn't have to be the playmaker that, that they essentially have to have him be because they do have a Vince Carter there who has never really shown up in big games. He's always been a highlight reel player. He's never really been a, a go-to guy in the playoffs, you know, whether it was in Toronto or even in New Jersey, he seemed to kind of fade into the background. So I, their, their linchpin right there is Dwight Howard getting an offensive game. Will it be this year? Will it be next year? Will it ever, ever actually come to fruition? Hopefully for them, I, I, I just don't see it. You know, uh, what, what has he done in the off season? We haven't heard anything about him in the off season, about any of his routines or anything. So I, he, it's tough for me to, to put them ahead of a, a Heat team or, or a Boston team just because of the fact that as a big man, as the dominant big man, you have to have an offensive game. Sure. I, I think they did a lot this year to add to their depth. I think Jameer Nelson is going to have a lot of pressure taken off of him by having Chris Duhon available to come off the bench at any given time. I think at the at the shooting guard position, they've got three guys that they can rotate in and probably will rotate in that they don't necessarily need a solid performance from Vince Carter every week because they've got a guy in Redick who can come in and hit the shots. And let's face it, this offense is all about creating shots for the perimeter guys. And uh, Quentin Richardson, same thing. He could step in there and score a whole bunch of points in, uh, in a short amount of time. But uh, ultimately, I think the Orlando Magic, uh, while, while they're not the necessarily battle-tested team that a team like Boston or 
the Lakers are. I think that they have seen their share of fights. They've they've you know gone toe to toe with the Celtics. They've gone toe to toe with the Lakers, and this is a team that doesn't back down from anybody. I think that uh, I think that Dwight Howard agreed needs to add to his offensive repertoire. But uh, I, ultimately, I think that uh, if they can make a, a point of getting Howard the ball in crunch situations and and developing him developing him in the offensive side of the court throughout the course of the season then the postseason is just a period of time where he can flex his muscle down in the paint and dominate against teams like Miami against teams uh, he'll he'll have a hard time hard time with Boston because they do have some size in Perkins and O'Neal but uh, I think uh, I think Howard is a huge asset especially when it comes to matching up against the Miami Heat. No, I, again, we uh, we'll both agree that definitely the five spot for the Heat is, is where they're going to have problems at, and and that's where the strengths of both Boston and Orlando sit at. I would even say that, based on last year's performance, if if the Bulls are the f- number four team and the Heat run into them, it wouldn't shock me that uh, Noah. Uh, w- can be there and put the pressure on them to where they might have to double him up. I know you think of him as more of a uh, role player, which in the past I would agree, but last year definitely opened up my eyes because he did take on a Shaq last year. He did take on a, a Vera Zhao last year in, in the series with Cleveland, and he held his own. Fair enough. Fair enough. So who do you have? Uh, who do you have uh, winning if you see if we do see the? Uh, historical, re, you know, history relived matchup of the Lakers and the Celtics. I, I don't, I don't see it happening any difference in the past three years. I, here's a three-peat: the Lakers. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a big team guy, but the fact that they added a, another veteran in, in Matt Barnes in there, you know, another tough guy along with Artest. You know, at, at any given time, they can have a lineup of. Kobe handling the ball. You have Barnes at the shooting guard. You have Artest at the small forward. You have Odom as Odom or even uh, Gasol as your power forward, and uh, Bynum as your center. That's just a ridiculous defensive, you know, matchup problem. They they can score and they can defend you. So I I just don't think that uh, minus any injuries, which we talk about all the time, that's going to be a tough lineup to beat. Sure, sure. That's always a tough lineup to beat. I, I, I guess my problem with the Lakers come from Kobe Bryant. To me, in the postseason, was the most overrated player in the entire NBA because when crunch time came in several games, Kobe Bryant disappeared. He shot what two for fifty-four in the game seven of the NBA Finals in the second half. He was absolutely wretched, and he still walks out of there with a trophy. Maybe, maybe me picking Orlando over them in a Finals is just an outpouring of the distaste that I have for uh, for the the mockery that was the MVP Finals award for Kobe Bryant last year. But um, I really think that the uh, point guard position for them is problematic if uh if your point guard position is rounded out by the likes of Derek Fisher or Steve Blake then that's that's not a position that you can rely on to give you anything consistently ever 
I know Fisher looked pretty good in the postseason after having an absolutely wretched regular season last year. I don't know if you can count on that. Uh, there, there's a couple of guys in the history of the league that you could count on for solid postseasons, no matter how the regular season went. Uh, and and I don't know that Derek Fisher is that guy. I'll I'll put him on that level. You know, he's definitely a guy like Big Shot Bob and and Robert Horry, who year in and year out, you didn't know what you're going to get. Uh, regular season wise, but he was always there when when the teams needed him. Uh, he he's not going to be a game breaker, but they don't need him to be a game breaker. If if push comes to shove, you know Kobe's definitely t- uh, surrounded by talented individuals who he doesn't need to carry anymore. Gasol looked really well last year. Even Odom playing playing the way he did was was really good. That he. He didn't need to have that great of a of a of a postseason in order for them to win, and I, I don't I don't think he needs to again this year. They definitely just have an overall depth in, in the three through five position. That say Bynum's out again, you you still have you know Gasol who can play who can play the five just fine. Sure, he wouldn't match up too well against uh, uh, Dwight Howard or Kendrick Perkins. Dwight Howard. But they definitely have a, a you know a lot of height that in general. So I, I don't think you need uh, the Kobe Bryant that Kobe Bryant used to be. If if he's a more of a facilitator, which he was last postseason, which he got lauded for. You know, I I was actually quite surprised how well he did dispersing the ball instead of just trying to take over the game. So I you don't really need that right now. You know, you don't need him to be that the one all be all star that he is. Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I just, I just don't know if I think that Kobe is the guy who could take over games at the end anymore, and uh, maybe it's because all I've ever seen is him win championships by being that guy, but uh, I just, I'm just not sure that's in the cards. And don't get me wrong, I don't think that Orlando is going to steamroll this team by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I just, uh, I, I think that, um, I think that uh, when you spread this team out. And you get their bigs away from the hoop the way that uh, the way that Orlando should be able to do. I think uh, I think you can create some some mismatches that'll that'll work in their favor. But uh, that being said, you know, hey, it's a whole lot of speculation to assume that those two teams are even getting to that point. Um, if uh, if Orlando does in fact have the season that I think they're going to be having, it's only going to be because Dwight Howard has an MVP level performance if you ask Stan Gundy Stan Van Gundy he's had a MVP level performance the past three years I think this might be the year that uh that he's able to actually secure that award award for the first time meaning uh basically benefiting from a situation where the two best players in the Eastern Conference now play on the same team and have to uh divvy up their shots a bit but uh I think I've got uh, I think I've got Dwight Howard coming down with an NF NBA MVP award this season maybe a defensive player of the year too um who do you think's taking down that hardware I'll definitely give you the defensive player of the year. There's no one who year in and year out puts in the effort and and actually gets the results that he does. Uh, for me, MVP-wise, I'm, I'm going to go with Kevin Durant of uh, Oklahoma. You know, he's a guy who was up for it last year. Like you mentioned, some of the players play on the same team. So I think some of the votes might go off, but here's another guy who's primed to have a huge phenomenal season that I, I think this this is definitely going to be his year. And I think for the NBA's sake that he needs to be the face of 
the entire organization. Absolutely. And, and I will, I will say straight out that that was a hard choice for me between the two, but, uh, I, I, I just kind of felt like, uh, Dwight Howard, uh, maybe it's a little bit more of an edgy pick and that's why I took it. But, uh, definitely Kevin Durant will be in the conversation if he doesn't win it. Rookie of the year. I, I, I kind of have, uh, I kind of have three players that I think are really going to be in contention for it. I think it's going to be up between uh, John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, and Blake Griffin. I, I, I think it's 1A, 1B, and 1C there. I think that any one of those three guys has a really solid chance of winning it. Ultimately, I think that uh, John Wall is going to mean more to his team than any other player, and I think ultimately that's why he wins your MVP, or I should say your Rookie of the Year award. Yeah, I've been saying it all night. I, I'm Throw me on the Blake Griffin bus you know he's a guy who didn't play at all last year because of the injuries but he's definitely a guy who given the shot will, will definitely excel and, and I think he's he's the tipping point to finally get the Clippers into the playoffs and, and hopefully turn around their their actual franchise uh, I'll agree with uh, John Wall there I'm gonna I'm gonna go the other side and and I'm not gonna say uh, DeMarcus Cousins, I'm going more for Derek Favors as, as would be like the, my third option there just because he's on a young team who doesn't have really uh, a guy there position-wise who, who one, he, he offsets really well with, with uh, uh, Robin, not Rob, yeah, Robin Lopez uh, there up in New Jersey. And even, even if uh, in, in 76er land you can't forget about Evan Turner, I, I know there's a lot of knock on him. If if something happens and they do trade Andre Iguodala or he gets hurt, I think he'll he'll definitely assume a, a more prominent role. And he he's a guy who has a leadership role with the Ohio State team last year. You know he can play one, two, and maybe even three to help out that team. But we'll we'll see how it goes for him. All in all, I think we're uh, we got the stage pretty much set for what should be. A really exciting 2010-2011 NBA season. I'm uh, looking forward specifically to seeing who has the stuff to knock off the Miami Heat. But then again, I think just about everybody is looking for that, except for the Heat fans themselves. So I look forward to a great season. And of course, we here at Sports on Point will be right there with you along the way, giving you all of the coverage that you need and deserve from the NBA season that's coming up. Thank goodness they play the games. Otherwise, we would be out of a job because you guys just had a great show. That was awesome. We'll see you later. Thanks, guys. (laughs) I'm going to sleep. Me too. Okay. Bye, Bob. Bye, Bye. Matt.